I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Come through, queen. I want to see you come through, queen. Hi, everyone. It's Dan. And Brendan. And this is Come Through, Queen. Hey, Brendan. Hi, Dan. Tis the damn season. Tis the damn happiest season. Yes. Well, you are tuning into the fifth annual Come Through Queen Family Stone holiday episode. One, I can't believe it's been five years that we've been doing this, too. I'm sad because this year we're not able to do it our usual style with all our friends present. Yeah, well, as all the commercials are saying, things are looking a little different this year. But normally it's a time we would gather with our friends and act unwell talking about the family stone right um you may remember some fun moments from last year that we'll get into later in the episode um but we of course have been recording separately since march and we continue to do so so thank god for all of the folks who sent in voice memos after we put out a call to action yeah and it might be some of our listeners first year listening to come through queen so the annual tradition is we will uh, cover Family Stone the week of Christmas instead of the Housewives, and we always manage to find something new and interesting to talk about. Uh, 
And it's sort of become our own little tradition. So welcome if this is your first time. That, there's always a new angle. But um, speaking of Family Stone and kind of the path it paved, it was one of like the only um, Christmas movies to include LGBTQ characters for a while. Um, we've had some, we've had small inklings of growth in that department with like films like Carol. There was a Netflix film a year or two ago. But this year there's like, I want to say like, five lgbtq inclusive christmas movies yeah a lot of them are your hallmarks your lifetimes but then there was a big studio film with a lot of a-listers that came out this year that we felt warranted talking about as part of our family stone episode yeah and that is happiest season which is available on hulu brendan do you know if this was intended to be in theaters or was it always destined to be on hulu it was destined for theaters, I think, because it's a big Sony film. Yeah. I, be- I believe. I could be wrong on the studio, but it's a big, big company. Okay, yeah. I wonder if people had to go out to theaters, would it have been such a big moment? Or instead, it maybe benefited from the fact that we're all stuck at home and we have Hulu, so so many people tuned in that way. Right. I think it's hard to it's hard to say. Hopefully, it would have been as big of a moment it did break records at hulu they announced that a few weeks ago and mind you like this film was enjoyed by us but we we recognize and can have discourse about like a lot of the flaws that people thought the film had for sure in as far as representation goes yeah um i think a big one that we can just like talk about off the bat is it is a coming out narrative, which a lot of folks who want to see LGBTQ representation are kind of um, sick of. Also, there is a very toxic character who kind of forces her girlfriend to go back in the closet and kind of just acts very toxic towards her most of the film. Yeah. I, I think people wanted to see a different outcome, outcome as far as who the main character ended up with, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. I mean, I think I personally still loved it just because it was a lesbian love story holiday movie, which we don't see much of. Yeah. Um, and then there's like the Dan Levy of it all, Levy. Levy, course, Levy. Yeah. Um, he was great in it as well as another LGBTQ character. We had Ben De La Creme and Jinx Monsoon at the gay bar scene. Yeah. And shout out to Ben and Jinx who happen to also have their own holiday special on Hulu as well. I love Synergy, you know? Yeah. I think the thing is that, yes, there are toxic people, toxic relationships in Happiest Season, but that's like the great tradition that Family Stone... Set up? I mean, set up for (laughs) us, yeah. So... I think it's even arguable whether there's more toxic people in Family Stone or Happiest mm-hmm. Season. I think the level of toxicity is different. And like mm-hmm. the fact that the toxicness is in direction of queer people in this film is like what sets it in a different direction. Okay. Whereas all the moments of like showing queerness in Family Stone are super positive. The family's accepting from the jump. It's not a coming out story. So it's, it's different. Yeah. I do also want to touch on the point that you brought up of this being yet another coming out story. I do think this could have easily been reworked into a movie where 
she's simply just bringing home her girlfriend to a family of terrible people. I mean, the movie itself is premised on the fact that Harper is in the closet because uh, her family are sort of right-leaning mm-hmm. and her father is running for mayor. So he, he might be running as a Republican on a family family values platform. And like, that's why she feels uncomfortable being out. Um, mm-hmm. But I think like it could have easily been shuffled around to some degree and still more or less. Right. That being said, um, speaking of coming out, I do, I did feel like Dan Levy's character gave a really powerful speech uh, near the end of the movie about coming out and about how um, that's on everyone else's, everyone's own terms. Um, And I do feel like not to poo poo on all coming out narratives, because I do feel like that representation is also important and powerful and people need it. Um, It's just, it seems like almost every bit of like queer representation harps on coming out. Yeah. I mean, especially for like us old fogies who have been out for a while. It's like, Oh my God, another coming Mm -hmm. out story. Well, that's that being said, that's why I liked, and this was a lifetime movie. So it's like the production's a little lower. It's obviously going to be more corny, et cetera, et cetera. But the Christmas setup starring, um, Fran Drescher and then a real life gay couple is not about coming out at all. And it was a delightful little film. I'll have to check that out. And one of them happens to be best friends with Aubrey Plaza. Wow. Both in iconic queer holiday movies this year. I know we need to talk about, um, Aubrey Plaza and the character of Riley, the hottest character to ever, appear in a Christmas film across the board. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the world at large has loved and appreciated Aubrey Plaza for a long time, mm-hmm. but we are seeing her in a new light here. Right. It's a, it's a more serious role compared to her other stuff. And it's just like a role where they were like, we're going to make Aubrey Plaza be hot as possible. And people are going to fall in love with her. Yeah. There's like a silky smoothness to her performance. I just feel like people are going to be writing fanfic about Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza for years to come. For Sorry, for years to come. Yeah. And let's get the sequel centered on Aubrey Plaza. I think we can have a sequel centered on Aubrey. We can have a threequel centered on Jane. <laughs> we can have a fourquel centered on Dan Levy. Hello. A forkwell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely think this will go down as a holiday classic, a movie we return to in the future uh, and enjoy for years to come. Yeah, I've already watched it twice. Wow. Well, speaking of watching a movie multiple times, I do have to ask you, at this point, in the holiday season, how many times have you watched Family Stone so far? Only three so far. Wow. That sort of feels low for you. Here's the thing. 2020 is a different beast. Okay. I mean, 2020 I'm, is looking a little different this year. <laughs> it is. I'm being, I'm being forced to watch content every single day from Dan. Oh Dan God. is always suggesting things and then... 
bullying me until I watched that content. I finally watched the flight attendant. I liked yeah, it. Which we cover in the pre-show. So it's like, I wish I had more time to only watch Family Stone this holiday season, but my circumstances don't allow. That being said, I have watched three times, which I think is more than the average American. Yeah. I mean, definitely more than the average American. So before we get to voice memos from all of y'all, I wanted to issue a formal apology on this podcast (laughs) to actress Elizabeth Reeser, who plays Susanna Stone in The Family Stone. And I want to apologize for consistently the past several years referring to her as the sister that doesn't matter. Wow. Um, I was looking through Instagram the other day and I came across a post that kind of made me a little sad on her Instagram. So Entertainment Weekly recently did an oral history of Family Stone yeah. that went up in November. Um, Love and oral history. And Elizabeth, a.k.a. Susanna, posted about it. I just want to read what she said because it kind of depressed me. Did you cry? A little bit. So she wrote, I got to talk to Samantha Highfill at Entertainment Weekly about one of my favorite holiday movies, The Family Stone. So grateful I got to watch Diane Keaton, Jessica Parker, Jessica, oh my God, Sarah Jessica Parker, Craig T. Nelson, Luke Wilson, the list goes on and on, work every day. I was so inexperienced on this movie and I embarrassed myself many times during shooting but everyone was very generous about it. I was hanging out with Diane Keaton, trying to act chill. Let me tell you, it was not easy. Sarah Jessica Parker was talking to me, and it was normal, and it was not. I don't know how I survived being surrounded by icons every day. I really don't. Thank you to Tom Buzuka for thinking of me, thinking I looked like I could be related to these insanely gorgeous people, and to Mindy Marin for making it possible. This is a cool story with interviews from the cast and director that I would link to if I knew how to do that, but I don't. So maybe give it a goog. So give it a goog. I just, I just want to like apologize for talking shit for so many years, because if what really comes down to is Susanna is a very important part of this film. Mm. Even if we said she's the sister, it doesn't matter. Think about the scene where she walks up and goes into Diane Keaton's bed. Mm. And it's the scene you find out that all the kids know that the cancer's back. Do they all know at this point? She, I think the line from Diane is, does everyone know? And it's yes. Oh, uh-huh. And then there's the scene where she's trying to watch, uh, meet me in St. Louis. I also think this is sort of like a top level thought to this movie, but you sort of need her as a sister, because it would be a different dynamic if Rachel McAdams's character was the only daughter of the family. Right. Is, is Susanna the anchor? Yeah. That keeps us all down? I mean, she's the anchor. She's keeping this family together. I mean, she does have the only and first grandchild. Mm-hmm. And she's the only one that it would make sense in this family to have a child amongst all the siblings. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So just wanted to apologize to the actress and the character. Yeah. But don't forget, she actually does go on to have a pretty iconic story arc on Grey's Anatomy, Mm -hmm. as well as starring in all those Twilight movies. So don't cry too many tears for her. Right. But like the way she talks about herself in her Instagram posts, like really made (laughs) me sad. Wow. 
Well, I mean, Alex did notice while watching the movie this year that if anyone in this family looks alike, it's probably Elizabeth Reeser and Rachel McAdams. Totally. 1,000%. Okay, let's kick this off with some of the calls from our audience, and we will kick it off with Nathan. Okay, so I just happened to have watched The Family Stone yesterday, and then I saw a tweet about this podcast. Um, And as I was watching yesterday, what I thought was interesting is that I've never thought about before. Why did Claire Danes get top billing in the movie? Why is she listed first in the credits? Um, Because at that time, I don't think she you know, had really, she, she hadn't won any awards. I mean, she was kind of a up-and-coming star, but, um, you know, Diane Keaton is an Academy Award winner, multiple-time nominee. Craig T. Nelson is an Emmy winner. Sarah Jessica Parker was an Emmy winner at that time, coming off of <clears throat> the last season of Sex and the City. Luke Wilson was a pretty big um, movie star at the time. You have the Royal Tenenbaums, Legally Blonde, Legally Blonde 2, all of those things in the early 2000s. Rachel McAdams just coming off of uh, Mean Girls. So I don't, like, Claire Danes somehow managed to get top billing over all of those people. I just, I've never thought about it before, but it just doesn't make sense. And the character of Julie is really not in that many scenes. So, um... I just thought that was interesting to think about in hindsight. Okay, Brendan. Why does Claire Danes get top billing in this movie? So I went, after we got this call, I went and looked at the poster for the movie and realized they are just listed in alphabetical order by last name. Oh, well, I mean, that's fair for everyone in this movie. And at least since she doesn't show up until halfway through... It's like, okay, at least we know Claire Danes is coming. Yeah, and I think, like, maybe, I don't I don't work in the movies, but I think maybe, like, when you have a movie like this that has such big names, like, maybe you just list them alphabetically so that everyone's fine. Yeah, no one's feelings are hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while on the topic of Claire Danes, we do have a short but sweet, call from our friend Trang. So why don't we take a listen? Please deep dive into the stupid totem pole scene. Okay. The totem pole conversation. Brendan, what do you have to say for this? This is consistently the most boring part of the film to me. Um, it's just, I think it's trying to establish, it is trying to establish that they both have this like one thing that's part of a different culture that they're both fixated on. Yeah. And that's what's bonding them. It's, it's the totem pole. And then he, for him, it was that metal Buddha that he mentioned a few times. Oh, I don't even remember that. The one he missed going to when he met SJP. Uh. So to him, SJP, SJP's character Meredith represents something he, that, made him miss out on this like cultural moment he wanted to have. And the fact that Claire Danes had a similar thing is what like in his brain, I'm sure is like, this is us like 
meeting and having like our in common moments. Yeah. I mean, I think that the point of that scene is to bore the family and us. And it kind of just like shows Mm -hmm. Sarah Jessica Parker, like going on and on, not caring that people are not even listening to her. Mm -hmm. So I never even like really settled on that conversation before. I, well, I always remember it because there's a moment where Luke Wilson's character repeats metal Buddha. Hmm. You know how he does that like think where thing where he's like thinking about something and repeating yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. So true, true stands now that that's what connects them. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, why don't we get to our next call? It is a call from Jamie, not Jamie Missy to the show, but in fact, another Jamie who funnily enough calls us out for finally following him back on Twitter. So <laughs> let's take a listen to that. Hello, Dan and Brendan. This is Los Angeles-based comedian and podcaster Jamie Pierce and Twitter friend, because now both of you are following me back on Twitter. Finally, it took me years to get your attention, but now that I have it, although the Come Through Queen account has been following me since like 2016, but who's counting? I don't have a question so much as a comment, re the Family Stone. My husband is making Strata this year for Christmas. Uh, totally unrelated. He was just like, I think I'm going to make this. And I was like, that's the that's Sarah Jessica Parker's dish from the Family Stone. And I, I kind of want to try it because it looks pretty gross, but maybe it's good. But I mostly just want to spill it on the floor and slip and fall and laugh and grow closer. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Actually, I do have a question. Why doesn't she change her clothes? Like, she's in that outfit covered in egg all day. Because it's like the morning, right, when it happens. And then when she goes into Luke Wilson's room, it's like nighttime. So that's disgusting. Anyway. But I also wanted to tell you that my husband and I are both from Utah. And we had our first date almost 14 years ago right across the street from Walters, not at the Buca de Beppo, nor the P.F. Chang's, but it might as well have been. So yeah, that's the classy block in Salt Lake City. It's also where the gay things happen. Thank you, Jamie. First of all, I am excited for his husband to be going on the culinary journey that is making Estrada. But I do want to point out that outside the context of this film, I literally never hear about Strata. I recently heard about it because Sola, formerly of the BA Test Kitchen, was making Strata on her Instagram. You're right, you're right. I did see Sola talking about Strata. Uh, She had this whole article about it, but what was strange was that, like, she kind of just generally tells you how to make it without giving an exact recipe. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be honest, like, if you think of... So, if you remove yourself from the Strata falling all down... Claire Danes is, I'm not Claire Danes, Sarah Jessica Parker's costume. And think about the ingredients. It's, it's bread, eggs, mushrooms, veggies. It sounds great. And cheese, which I'm allergic to, which brings me to the point that I always love to make, which is I don't understand how a person who is about to become potentially a fiance does not know what her boyfriend is allergic to. Exactly. I mean, that seems like a big one. I mean, that to me is like 
not even a character flaw. It is more so an error in the screenplay. To me, as an allergic person, it's not even realistic. Well, I think it's, I think it's actually the way it's acted where she gets very defensive about it later. I don't think it's an error in the screenplay. I think it is a character flaw for their relationship. But like, I'm sorry. They seem like a couple that goes out to eat. In fact, in the movie, it's mentioned that they took Rachel McAdams out to a fancy restaurant. Um, So I think having this allergy is something that would come up eventually. I know, but you don't think Meredith isn't on her phone while mm. she's ordering with the flip phone trying to make the deals? Like Tom Girardi. <laughs> well, I mean, it was 2005. True. She had that flip phone. True, true, true. <laughs> okay, I also do have to congratulate Jamie and his husband on having their first date across the street from Walters 14 years ago. I know. And also... um, Drag us for not following you, but glad we're following you now. (laughs) I love it. I know. Um, But while we are on the topic of calls from Jamie, we do have a call from Jamie Missy to the show. Yeah. So why don't we tune in and listen to her struggle as she sends us two parts as she figures out how to work voice memos. Merry Christmas. It's Jamie Missy calling in for my favorite episode the Family Stone annual viewing. I have a couple questions to ask. I'm doing this for the first time on my phone. Is it still, re- I hope it's still recording me as I click through to look at my questions. Picking up on my voice recording part two. I have a couple questions to ask. The first one is top five iconic fashion moments. Please tell me this ranking. Second question. What dish would you make and bring to this family affair? And the third question is, if you could just recast the film with RuPaul's Drag Queens, who would be who? Oh, my God. I feel like that would be an amazing Christmas miracle film. Love you guys. Bye. Wow. Thank you, Jamie, for giving us quite the assignment here on our special episode. Okay. So... Should we start at iconic fashion moments? Okay, yeah. Mine are not ranked. They're just kind of off the top of my head. So we could kind of just take turns doing it. Yeah, and if I have the same fashion moment, we'll just like talk about that, right? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, My first one would be the fact that I typically don't love men's loungewear. It kind of just usually looks a little sloppy. Mm -hmm. But I love Everett's robe, that whole look on Christmas morning. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good look. I don't have any... Oh, I have one mana, but I don't focus on the men. <laughs> okay. That's a great look, though. All right, what's your first look? Okay, so I have to give it to the Diane, Diane Keaton dinner scene. Okay. with the It's the big, big dress that looks like Chad Michaels at the uh, inauguration, and then it's like the high-collared shirt and the red beads. Yeah, yeah, that is an iconic Icon- fashion moment iconic fashion moment while we're on the subject of diane keaton wearing a collar uh Mm -hmm. i do love her sticking to the brand and wearing a collar even going to sleep i have a similar fashion moment with um the button down under the robe with the scarf okay yeah that is similar so it's similar vibes my question is is there a day that goes by that diane keaton does not wear a collar shirt 
No, I don't think so. And I think that applies to real life too. Yeah, exactly. Um, but snooze alert, my next iconic fashion moment is a little boring, but I would say it's Sarah Jessica Parker wearing okay. that um, all black mm-hmm. look on Christmas Eve morning. It's simple, but it's cute. I just like it. But what's strange is she's wearing heels just kind of hanging around the house in that look. Yeah, but it's SJP. And I mean, like, she has her own high heel line these days. Sure. So it's like a little bit of like a personal touch. Yeah. Um, I'll also do SJP. And I think just like the the silk blouse black vest look that she rocks for most of the movie Mm. is an iconic fashion moment. Yeah. In the way she's able to transition from nighttime to morning time to daytime to nighttime again. Yeah. We neglected to touch down on that comment uh, during our first Jamie's call, but she is wearing that blouse for hours and hours covered in egg. Mm -hmm. And if you do the math, I mean, she's wearing it. Um, around the time that they're opening Christmas presents, which would be probably at eight at the latest with that young kid in the house. Mm-hmm. And she's still wearing it at sundown in the room with um, Luke Wilson. So she's at this point wearing it for probably eight hours and change at the least. Thank God for that. And also like, she's able to wear it in her like stuck up Christmas Eve or yeah, Christmas Eve bun. And then, let her hair down and it still looks great. Yeah. Yeah. A versatile look. Mm-hmm. Okay. My last iconic fashion moment is one year later, Rachel McAdams. Red on red. Red on red. <laughs> showing the world that she is now a mature adult. Yes. I had red on red written down as well. <laughs> of course. Um, th- <laughs> Wrapped in red. There is a... Not to promo my own Instagram, oh my God. but <laughs> <laughs> there is an Instagram highlight that I put up last year when we did our Family Stone episode, um, and it is Honey Mustard Girl, who is Honey Mustard to the show, yeah, um, explaining Family Stone in like one minute, and in the background, you can hear Dan yelling about Rachel McAdams red on red, so <laughs> this had to be included. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. I have never forgotten that. I have one more iconic fashion moment that I need to include, and it's my only man. Okay. And it is Luke Wilson's sweatpants. Wow. He invented gray sweatpants season. (laughs) Yeah, he did invent it. When he was thrusting to his sister or his brother's girlfriend while she sat in that car waiting to go to the inn. Yes, with a cup of coffee. Yeah, he invented gray sweatpants season. Okay, Brendan, what are you making for, and I guess the floor is open as to whether it's Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, Christmas Day, whatever. What are you bringing to the table? Okay, so my go-to for years for like potluck holiday things has been this great mac and cheese that I make. It's a baked mac and cheese that I make that's from a um, barbecue restaurant in my hometown. But just last night, I attempted to make for the first time catch you up, Pepe. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. It was pretty good. Okay. If you're listening to this and maybe you're driving, please stop, pull over, please clap for Brendan. Please, please clap. 
I mean, I would never, ever, I rarely put a meal that I make on an Instagram story. Sure. Dan and I are different in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it never hits the grid either, but I put it on my Instagram. I don't know. Maybe this is one for you to put on the grid. Maybe when you make it a second time. Maybe. We'll see. Um, so I think, I think, I think I could perfect it before I have to go home for Christmas to see whomstever. So, Yeah. What about you? Okay, I am making what I plan to make Alex and I this Christmas Eve, which is Chrissy Teigen's Linguini with Clams, maybe a slight alteration, slight spin on it. Um, But I believe I've even made this for you in the past. Yes, I had it at the beach once. Yeah, I mean, it is one of my favorite dishes. I think it's kind of a little bit of a nod to the seven fishes. I don't think we're going to be hitting that number this year. If you don't do the seven <laughs> fishes, I'm going to freak the fuck out. I mean, I think what what we have will be enough um, since it's just the two of us. I don't really want to go crazy like I did on Thanksgiving. So I think we're going to just play it a little bit cooler for this. Holiday. Great. That sounds great. I really love that pasta. Dan stays living in the Chrissy Teigen cookbook. Yeah. I mean, she's made a few points in there. I got to say. You and Chrissy should collab. Yeah. Maybe one day. But um, why don't we address Jamie Missy's final request, which is casting the Family Stone cast with RuPaul's Drag Race Cinematic Universe Drag Queens. Okay. 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 Well, why don't you start us off, Brendan, and I will match whoever you cast. Okay, so Diane Keaton, I obviously cast Chad Michaels, because she already has the skirt for Christmas Eve. Wow, I totally knew (laughs) you were going to go there. Um, I cast another one of our Drag Race elders, Mrs. Kasha Davis. Oh, that would be beautiful yeah i mean i wanted to go with a different one of our elders since i feel like we have seen enough chad michaels for a little bit okay i get that okay so sjp okay i went off script oh and i actually chose a drag person who's not on drag race i'm not sure that's allowed uh jamie's rules i said i went on script so there is somebody who does Carrie Bradshaw drag called Carrie Dragshaw. Oh. There's an Instagram account. So I felt like if they're familiar with doing SJP's other work, they should get first dibs at doing this work. Has this person ever done family stone looks? I mean, I would imagine at this point they must have. I haven't checked in in a couple years, but I'm maybe. Okay. I cast SJP as Gigi Good. Okay, that works. Yeah, I feel like she could play that snooty, stuck-up role well, and it would be fun. Yeah, I get that. So let's go for Amy, a.k.a. Rachel McAdams. Yes. So I decided to do Jujubee because I feel like she could take on the role. Mm -hmm. Okay. She could have the full, like unlikable part at the beginning and then transition to Brad Stevenson and making out with him, then be red on red at the end of the movie. I feel like she's versatile enough. Okay. Yeah. I sort of went on the same thought process as you, as someone who could go from unlikable to likable. And with that, I landed on Aja. Okay. Yeah. Aja's actually a great choice. Yeah. I mean, that was the first one. 
that I even came up with. So I'm very proud of that one. <laughs> wow, your mind. Um, okay, so my Susanna one's kind of unwell, and I have an explanation. Okay. So because I have disrespected her for years, and I feel bad about that, I wanted to cast perhaps my favorite queen in RuPaul's Drag Race history. Wow. So Susanna will be pay- played by Bob the Drag Queen. <laughs> Wow. I cannot wait to see what Bob brings to this role. I think it, I think she will bring it. And like, imagine her with children. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I went in a totally different direction. My Susanna shall be played by Calorie Kardashian Williams. <laughs> Can you explain? <laughs> okay. We haven't seen her in a while, and I feel like this is the role she was born to play. Okay, 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 okay. Um, so Claire Danes. Yeah. I went almost not literal, but like in this Queen's first season, it felt her narrative was like she was getting off a bus. And oh no. <laughs> so I went I went with Blair St. Clair. I thought you were going with Roxy. I thought I was Andrews. doing Roxy Andrews. No, 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 no. But in Blair St. Clair's first season, she's like implying that she like just arrived in the big city. Sure. sure and our sure. first moment with uh Claire Danes is her falling off a bus. Also, they both have Claire in their names. Yeah, I like that. Okay, I went with Shay Coulet, because I feel like the casting of Claire Danes was like, we need someone who's automatically likable. And I feel like Shea Coulee is super likable. Oh, true. That's a good point. Yeah. And then for Elizabeth. The child. The child. So because she's a child, I automatically went with Serena Cha-Cha. Brendan, I went with Serena Cha-Cha as well. (laughs) That's sick. I mean, of all the people for us to land on meet on (laughs) for it to be that character as well wow wow we are deranged wow 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 wow. okay well thanks to jamie missy for spurring on this psychotic conversation landing on serena chacha but speaking of jamie missy let's get to our next question from number one stand to the show sam moreno Hi, Dan and Brendan. This is the number one stand of the show. Uh, Sam, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, Marino. Um, calling from San Francisco. I just wanted to put out my thoughts for this year's Family Stone episode. Um, as I admitted in the Facebook group, this is my first time ever watching it. And I thought it would be fun to assign characters to you both and a couple of the people and the extended come through queen uh cinematic universe um so first off we have um dan is clearly diane keaton making alex coach from coach um i know that brendan's probably devastated because he is a diane keaton stan but um i don't make the rules and um i just want to say that Rachel McAdams' character is clearly just an amalgamation of both Honey Mustard Girl and Jamie Missy. Um, Please bully me. Um, And that leaves Brendan, who I believe is the gay son, solely based on the fact that I would love to see Dan and Alex vehemently defend him at a dinner 
after someone tells Brendan that he's not normal. Um, that leaves me, um, as much as I would like to be Claire Danes, I'm clearly Meredith, um, because I want all of you to bully me. Okay, anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for a wonderful year of Come Through Queen, for the Patreon, uh, for the Facebook group. It's been a godsend during this crazy, awful year, and, um, hope you guys have a lot of fun. Wow. Okay, Brendan, so we went from casting Mm -hmm. to being cast. So how do you feel about how this landed? So here's the thing. My family pulls this shit every year, and you want to know where I land? Always always, the gay one. Always the gay one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love Alex and I being cast as your parents needing to come to your defense since you are not normal. I know. Who would you be defending me against? Um, I guess... The world. Seemingly, again, Sam Moreno. Wow. It's okay. I am I am famously not normal. Wow. Well, I <laughs> love being cast as Diane Keaton. Love Diane Keaton. Love being the matriarch. But I guess where it falls apart a little bit for me would be the casting of Alex as coach. Because I can't see Alex freaking the fuck out like coach does at dinner. You know who Alex is? Who's Alex? Luke Wilson. Okay, yeah, I could I could see that a bit more. Just like chill vibes. Sure, yeah. I do love that both Honey Mustard Girl and Jamie Missy are cast as Rachel McAdams. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like twin sisters instead. It's like that one season of American Horror Story where Sarah Paulson had two heads. Yes, exactly. Let's yeah. let's have that as our yes. Rachel McAdams. Um, but we do want to thank Sam for that very nice message. I mean, given everything that's going on, we have enjoyed carrying on with the show and we are so happy and thankful that you appreciate it. So yeah, thanks Sam. But with, uh, that being said, let's get to Lucy's question, which is about, I guess, the context of what's going on in the world. Right. Hey, come through Queens. Um, I'm on my feet. It's the holidays. I already watched Family Stone the other weekend, and for the first time, I was really sympathetic to Meredith. I feel like after this quarantine, we all are going to be like Meredith. She's, like, so work-obsessed, so socially awkward, but, like, desperately wants to lock down her relationship despite all the red flags. And, you know, I find her a sympathetic, sympathetic character these days, which before I, she just made me cringe. All right. Happy holidays. Thank you, Lucy. So, Brendan, are we feeling more sympathetic towards Meredith in 2020? So I think I went through this journey a couple years ago Yeah, where I realized that Meredith actually is the one I'm rooting for mm-hmm. in the end of, at the end of the day, you know? Sure. And it all comes down to the bar scene the scene after where um, Luke talks about Meredith scooping him up with a shovel. Yeah. And then the morning after where we get her giving probably like the best gift ever that these people could possibly get during this time. Yeah. I mean, what's so funny with the gift is that she's painted as this character that's like not thoughtful, self-centered, but she manages without even knowing these people to bring this gift and completely knock it out of the park. I know. Also, that photo of Diane Keaton when she was young is a real photo of Diane Keaton from from when she was young, but she looks like Lisa Kudrow. 
Yeah. To me. She does. And I feel like we have probably even talked about this um, Lisa Kudrow connection in prior Family Stone episodes. I know. And there's that video that went around about Lisa Kudrow giving a speech to Diane Keaton that like was popular like a month ago. Oh, wow. Anyways, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, the only other thing with Meredith is like, I feel like we've talked about this before, but at that dinner, like, sure, she's being bad, but like everyone is being terrible. I mean, it's totally strange, like how bad Luke Wilson's character is, like being vaguely racist, vaguely homophobic. Yeah, like I'm hearing queer, get used to it, and then like... Yeah. He says something about the baby. Yeah, it's like they're talking about the baby's race, and he's like, can you dig it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was not a great moment. Yeah, and meanwhile, we have like Everett, who is completely like throwing his girlfriend under the bus Mm -hmm. in a way like not much unlike Abby and Harper in Happiest Season. Um. And we also have Claire Danes, who doesn't even know these people, and it's like sitting down with them and not running after her sister. I mean, the true villain in this movie is Everett, because he brings his soon-to-be wife, his girlfriend who he wants to propose to, back to his family, and then just, like, throws her to the sharks. And, like, doesn't, like, truly spend time with her in a real way at all. And it's like, everything's a group activity where she's being attacked, and, like, he's not doing anything about it. Which is funny because that matches up with Happiest Season so much. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, like, Harper brings Abby home and then just kind of leaves her in a corner for a whole week. Right. Right. I love the parallels. Wow. Wow. Okay. Why don't we close out this episode with a call from someone who made an iconic appearance during last year's Family Stone episode. Um, She made an impact. That would be Caroline. Wow. Hey there, come through Queen fam. I was just wondering if there will be any mention of queefing on this year's Family Stone episode. Um, You know, it really riveted me last year, and I think whoever thought of that should just really come back and, 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 and make a solid point, you know? Bye. Wow. Um, I guess I mean it wouldn't be a Family Stone episode for us now unless – Somebody's queefing. I think, like, moving forward, uh, Family Stone and queefing will forever be interlocked thanks to the one true queen, Caroline. Yeah, so if you did miss last year's episode uh, and you're brave enough to go and try to revisit that, you could tune in and see what oh my God. Caroline's <laughs> talking about. But um, why don't we wrap this up? Uh, We do want to thank you all for tuning in. This is one of our favorite episodes to record every year. And we hope that we are converting more and more of you into the Family Stone family. It does feel like, I mean, like, I'm not crediting us at all. Mm. But, like, it does feel like over the years, like, Family Stone is getting more and more attention as far as, like, a Christmas classic. For sure. And go through my tweets. You'll see. I've been here from the beginning. Well, not the beginning because I wasn't on Twitter in 2005. But, you know. Well, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you again next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I want to see you come through, Queen. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.